today. We thank you today. Just lift your hands this morning. Lord, I pray for every individual here this morning. I thank you that the battle has already been won, and no matter what they're facing this morning, no matter what they see, Lord, open their eyes like you opened the, the servant in the old covenant and said, open their eyes, Lord, so they can see what I see. That's what Elisha said, open their eyes, open the servant's eyes to see what I see. Today, we desire, Lord, to see what you see, not what we see, not what our circumstances say, not what people say, not what the world says, not what a doctor may say, what, what a, a lawyer may say, but what Jesus says. What does Jesus say? the way Thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against anybody in this congregation. It may rise up, but it will not prosper in Jesus' name. They are overcomers. They have the spirit of the Lord in them, that you go with them day and night, and nothing is impossible to them today. In Jesus' name, and everybody who believed that said, amen. Hallelujah. Well, give God praise. Yeah, he's worthy of all the praise today. <clears throat> In that song, Break Every Chain, I was thinking today, you know, so many times the enemy has convinced people there is no way out of what they're facing, no, no way of escape. But that's not the truth of the Word of God. Even in 1 Corinthians 10, it says that God will make a way of escape, that we just put our focus on Jesus and he will direct us. Maybe it won't be in a straight line, but eventually he will get us where we're supposed to be. Our confidence is in the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Let's make our confession, and then we're going to uh, share a word today that I believe God has for all of us in regard to that, that nothing has overtaken you that is not common to any person who believes in Jesus Christ. That's what the word says. It, it happens. However, we win. Everybody say, however, I win. I win. Let's say this. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I'm glad you made it today. Thank you, worship team. And you can be seated. Hallelujah. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Lord, we feel like we're in some kind of a concert hall with that echo, you know, going on. It's great for reverb. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I know that every day is a new day, but this week um, we have had some things. But in the end, everybody say all things work together for good. 
and uh, the paint got caught up in Chicago because of the storm on Thursday. They couldn't get the paint down here for Friday morning, but then that made it okay so that the carpet wouldn't get paint on it. Everybody say, praise the Lord. <laughs> we don't need paint, you know, on the new carpet. So I believe God just orders our steps. It says man plans his way, but God directs his steps. So I'm believing that this is just part of the process. And we will start again on March 23rd. That's a Wednesday night. I believe we'll have everybody uh, all situated back where we need to be. Next week, it will look different. And the following week, it will really look different in here because we have a guy coming up from Arkansas. Give Aaron and Brad a big hand. Uh, Brad lives here. <laughs> he lives here 24-7, I think. He meets himself coming and going. But, uh, and all the people that we have worked with, all the contractors that have helped us with this have been so kind and helpful. It really has been a very peaceful uh, change that has taken place in here. And this week, my son-in-law, Joey, he's over the painting part, but he had to go up and put like tinfoil over every sprinkler. He had to put, a, what are those shower caps, Aaron, that you ordered? <laughs> we ordered 100 shower caps to go over the lights so the paint wouldn't get in the lights. And, uh, you know, just all those little things that we don't think about. But there are people behind the scenes who are doing a lot to make this happen. And, and a lot of you are part of that team because on Sunday, if you didn't stay and help us clean up, they couldn't do what they're going to do. And so even this has to go. And I don't know how Brad made this. It's hard to take apart. I know it comes down. And it's, it's, I don't know how it's pieced together under there. But it's going to take a little bit to get that thing out of here. But God works all things together for good. This will become the base for a whole new sound system back there. There'll be Jerry Borders is going to be working on that this week with Brad. And they're building a whole new sound booth back there. So it's going to start really looking different. And when we turn the lights down and, the, and these lights in the ceiling come up, then it really will be a change for all of us. So um, very excited. Everybody say we have more than enough. That's been my word for this year. That's the word told, the Lord told me to say. Every time a bill came in that was a little more than what you thought. How many of you ever gotten a bill that was just a little more than what you thought it was going to be? The Lord says to me, don't look at the checkbook. Just say, we have more than enough. Everybody say, more than enough. And so I'm going to do a series on more than enough right now as we're passing through the end of this. Because God has been more than enough in every situation that we have faced so um, I believe he'll be more than enough for everything else that we will face. But more than enough isn't just finances, it's people. When they told me how many stations are going to be on that, in that sound booth now, there's five people going to be needed just in the booth. Everybody say, there's a multitude coming. <laughs> and they know how to do sound. <laughs> they know how to do lighting. They know how to do, you know, we're getting all this equipment that will take us, you know, way ahead. Uh, technologically, but then it takes people to do that. So I, Aaron texted me one night, and then he called, and I was listening to all he was saying, and I wrote on the paper that I had, we need more people. <laughs> we need lots more people to do what God wants to do in here, people to be up here at the altar to pray for people at the end of the service. There's lots of things that God is going to begin to do that all of us will be participating in. So I want all of you to get this in your heart. We have more than enough. We have more than enough. We are not going to be one of those churches where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. We're going to be one of those churches where 100% of the people are doing 100% of the work.
of the work. Amen? And we have had that in this church over the years. We, I mean, when we have the volunteer banquet, everybody who comes to church is there because somebody, everybody's volunteering in some area. But we have more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. And today I want to share with you why. Sufficient grace. Everybody say sufficient grace. And we're going to talk about that today because it's not our ability. It's God's ability working through us to get done what needs to be done. I think Jeff over here, he's coming to change all the hardware on the doors. Well, you don't think about hardware on the doors, but, but we need somebody to change all the hardware on the doors. We've got gold and gray and every color in here for hardware. And so it doesn't seem like it's a lot, but when it's all done, it makes it perfect. Everybody say perfect. And that's the way God does. When we do all we can do, he comes and he makes everything perfect after the fact. We may not see it at the moment, but when God finishes the work, it's perfect. It's exactly what he wants. So today I want to look at Ephesians 3. And uh, this is a scripture in my life that was really a key to, to the Lord changing my life. In Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, um, as a single mom, the Lord gave me this scripture. And I... I was always looking for love, but finding it in the wrong place. How many of you know you can be looking for something and you find it in the wrong situation? Uh, I think there's a lot of people today that are facing those circumstances. But it talks about, uh, it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant, and I put my, I made it personal, so I would say that he would grant me according to his riches and glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in my inner man, that Christ would dwell in my heart through faith, and that I, being rooted and grounded in love, would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that I may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then this next scripture, now to him... The Lord, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think. Boy, that was a real revelation in my life at that point. I had three little children. I was a single mom. The outgo didn't meet the income. And so it was really a difficult time for me. So when it said God is able, everybody say God is able. To do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. But this is how he does it according to the power that is working in us. Well, that power is the Holy Spirit of God. And so as that power is working in our lives, God then is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we could ask, hope, or think. What does that mean? That means as long as we're listening to God, as long as we're following the path that God has told us to follow, that he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask, think, hope, God will do it. Everybody say, God will do it. And so, if anything that I've learned over this last 18 months in this church is that God does do it. Everybody say, he does do it. You know, when we step out <clears throat> by faith, or maybe we have just this much that we can see, but this much that we can't see, God is in this much. We just have to be faithful to this. That little bit we can see, that that step he says to take. And when we are, he does exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. When the Lord spoke in my heart 
to, to sow $20,000 of this church's income uh, back last year. Uh, it was in the summer. And I heard that, and I thought, well, we don't have a lot more than that. So we're going to be sowing almost all that we really have. But I kept hearing that in my spirit. And, and but what I heard was, sow the 20000 and there will be 200000 that will come in for what you need. I thought, well, boy, that's even more impossible than 20. 200,000, we have never had 200,000 come into this church like what actually God did. Everybody say what God did. So the little bit was for that Sunday morning, and a lot of you were here, when we had all those checks that were going to ministries here and in other countries. We laid hands on those checks. Pastor Dan prayed, and we believed God that that was the seed that we were sowing to see 200,000 come to do what we've been doing in this building, in the house, everything we were going to do. Well, to me, that was a huge amount of money that was supposed to come. But that came plus 85,000 more. Everybody say, praise the Lord. We couldn't see that when we sowed the 20. In fact, we, we're very diligent. Every Monday, we have a Monday report that we look at shows the finances for the church. But I just want you to know this. I don't look for any of you to supply what this church has. So I'm not looking at your name to see if you're giving and saying, I'm going to call them up. We need 50 more this week. You know, everybody, we don't do that. Our source is the Lord. If he doesn't come through, this is his house. You know, I, I told the leadership a couple of Wednesday nights ago, we are just stewards of this. We're, we're not the owners of this church. That's why leadership in, in the kingdom of God is totally different because you don't own it. You don't make the decisions. He does. And so when you seek the Lord, when you do what this says, according to the power that works in you, according to the knowledge that God has given you for that situation, when you do that, it becomes what God wants it to be. And it multiplies. Everybody say multiplies. I would have never dreamed somebody would come up to this altar on a Sunday and say to me, I feel like God told me today that I'm to give 100000 if the congregation matches it. And that's how that 200000 came. And it came in like seven weeks. And I didn't hear anybody saying, we starved this week because we gave to the church. We just didn't have enough. I didn't hear anybody say that. Because why? He did exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. And he did this. We didn't do this. He did it. We did our part. We did our part. And then he came in and just took over and multiplied that $20,000 seed into what was exactly needed here. Now, you know, I didn't used to talk in numbers like that, uh, you know, <laughs> in the church. I mean, the whole church budget for the years, not, not a lot more than that over the years. But but God is faithful, and when he wants to do something in your life, if he wants to move you to a, a better home, if he wants to provide things for your family that you haven't even thought were possible, especially uh, my husband and I, as, when we started in ministry, Pastor Bill, you know, he's the provider. He's the leader. He's the lover. He's the one that takes care of me. And so we found out real quick. He couldn't take care of me. I couldn't take care of me, but God could take care of both of us. And so he began, the Lord began to show us that when we agreed and got in faith 
that God was really the one that's going to take care of us. You know, that saves a lot of marriage problems when people aren't blaming the other person because there's not enough. But because God is more than enough. And so when we get in agreement, we begin to sow in that direction. God, then he manifests, like Jesus said, I will manifest my presence in your midst. That's the manifestation of his presence, that he does what he says he's going to do. So um, in Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, I believe the whole key to it is knowing the love of God for you, for me. It's, it says it just above this. It says, I want you to know the, the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of my love. His love is so unfathomable, I believe, for us because we base love on performance. We don't base love as unconditional. Unconditional means no matter what you're acting like, no matter what you're bound by right now, no matter what you're fighting in your own life, those demons from hell that maybe in your life you're fighting, then God loves you right in the middle of that. He's not judging you. He's not, he's not uh, destroying your life. The devil is doing that. And God defeated the devil. So all God wants to do is deliver you out of that situation and bring new life into that situation. So the key to all of this, I believe, is that prayer. I prayed over myself three to four times. Whenever I needed it, God said, just confess that over your life. And I confessed it and confessed it and confessed it until it manifested in my life. And then once I knew in my heart that God really loved me, even when I messed up, that gave me a, a security and a confidence that no person can provide. To know that God is going to be more than enough is to know that God loves you unconditionally. And when you do what's inside you at the leading of the Holy Spirit, he's going to multiply it and do exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or think. Amen? And that's what that scripture means. You know, sometimes, at least in my life, I'll read scripture. I read through the Bible every year, and I don't always. In some things, you know, it's just reading. I'm just reading, being obedient. But other times, it's like, boing, that thing just jumps right out. And it's like, ah, that's a word from the Lord. This year was, uh, I forget, it's about the, the material on the selvage. And every time I'd read about the, the curtain, that was made for the temple or the tabernacle, I'd see that word selvage, and it would just jump out at me. I thought, well, what, what is it? I, I'm not a, I don't sew, but Sandy does. And so I looked it up, and it, it's a part of the garment, but it keeps it from ripping, keeps it from tearing. Well, that, that, those curtains couldn't tear. They were made to not tear. So when Jesus on Calvary, it says the veil was rent, that was a huge thing because only God could rent the veil. Are you getting this? So one little word, word selvage, was like a revelation from heaven of why that is so important. Amen? You want to know my Easter message? Priority access. You know how I got that? From some tweet president or some uh, text or email from President Trump. And he said, I'm going to give you priority access. Well, I thought, well, <laughs> sure. What that means is if you give money, you're going to get priority access. Well, I don't have to give any money to get priority access to the throne room of God. Amen? And instantly, when I saw priority access, you say, you can't get a message for Easter off an email by President Trump, of all things. <laughs> you know, people get so worried about what people do. You've got to know the heart. 
of those people. And I'm not going to get into politics, but it's time for people to get their eyes opened. Just consider where we are. Amen, that's all I'm going to say. However, I got my Easter message just like that. I didn't even have to work for it. I didn't even have to hunt for it. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Now I've got to find out what the rest of it is, but I got the title. That's a start. <laughs> Everybody say, God knows. So that's my little bit. But he'll take that and make it a big lot. Amen? Are you getting this today? I hope so because I believe today God wants to liberate people who have chains on their lives. And most chains, the most terrible chain is a chain on your brain. It's on your thinking. You know, I, I had people lay hands on me, pray deliverance. I mean, I had them slap me up one side and down the other. Those demons just danced around. And then somebody taught me the word of God. And I began to speak it and speak it. Now, I believe in deliverance. They opened the door. I didn't have any idea what was wrong with me. But once I knew what was wrong with me, I began to take the word. And that's why people who get delivered that don't get in the word end up right back in the mess. And the Bible says seven times worse than the start. Everybody say the word. The word of God is what delivers people. People don't deliver people. God delivers people. God delivers people from poverty by saying tithe because it's his system of provision. That's why he says that. It's not because the church needs your money. It's because you give what God says, what God, what, God, what God says. And when you give what God says, he is obligated by his word to do what he said he would do. He's not a liar. He'll do it. He'll do it. You can vouch for that, huh, Pat? April. Yeah, he will do it. And he'll do it in ways where you don't expect. But he will be faithful to do it. Uh, in Exodus, you know, we, that's probably the first place that we see God really <clears throat> show up in a big way for the children of Israel. And they were in bondage, and they were not being treated fairly. But that was already prophesied clear back in Genesis when God told Abraham that his people would be in bondage for 430 years. And that was exactly how long they were in bondage. And then Moses showed up. And Moses didn't have the greatest reputation. Moses, you know, he had killed uh, one of the, the Pharaoh's men, and, uh, and an Egyptian. And then his own people turned against him when they got in a fight and he tried to break it up. And they said, well, you know, you're going to kill one of us. And it frightened him. And so he took off for the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness. But when he came out of that wilderness, God was with him. Everybody say God was with him. And when God showed up in that burning bush and told him, I'm going to send you to deliver my people from the bondage that they're in. Really, that's what God did with Jesus. He sent him to deliver us from the bondages that we're in. Um, I'm speaking today to people who are totally uh, like in a prison in their thinking, in their mind, and it's affecting what they do, drugs, alcohol, pornography, all the things that are happening in our nation that even promote that kind of thinking. God is wanting to set people free. And that's what's going to bring the harvest in the kingdom of God in, in a big way because so many people now are in bondage to their pleasure. They're in bondage to their thinking. They're in bondage thinking, my world is okay. 
the rest of the people, like in the Ukraine, that's so far away, they're, they're having a problem. But me, I have water, I sleep in a bed, I don't have those things. Because their mind is not renewed to the truth of the word of God because they're so in bondage to the things it says in 2 Timothy, the love of, of the, and pleasures of this life, the things, uh, disobedient people, very disobedient people to parents, to, to any kind of authority. In fact, in the school systems, there's hardly any authority because they can't do it because of all the things that, this, that have been set up. I'm telling you, God wants people under his authority to keep them safe. Everybody say, authority keeps people safe. And he is more than enough through his grace to get that done in people's lives. So when, when Moses, he didn't feel capable. He just said, you know, who am I? And all God said to him was, I will be with you. He didn't answer one thing about who Moses was, what Moses did, how great Moses was, or how not great Moses was. He just said, I will be with you. And then he said, I want you to go and tell the children of Israel that I'm going to deliver them. And Moses says, well, who, who am I supposed to say said that? He said, you just say I am. I am sent you. What is I am? God Almighty. Who is that? El Shaddai. Everybody say El Shaddai. That is the God who is more than enough. That's who you say sent you. That's who you tell him is in charge here. Not you, Moses, but me. And he proved that. But Moses had to do what he had to do. Moses had to take the staff. He didn't, he didn't think he talked well enough. He got Aaron, his brother, to go with him and his sister, Miriam. And so it was a family affair. And God said, okay, I'll let Aaron talk for you. So I'll tell you, you tell Aaron, Aaron can tell Pharaoh. Wow, it's a, it's a miracle it got the right message down line that man far. But, you know, if you read in the Old Covenant and you read Exodus, you will see that's what Moses did for about the first four or five of the plagues against Pharaoh. But then it says, then Moses said. What happened? Moses began to believe that his God was more than enough. He didn't have to have Abraham or Aaron, his brother, say it for him. He knew who he was. That's the way the body of Christ has got to start being. Our God is more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. If you have an electric bill that you can't pay, God will pay it. When I met Pastor Bill, he had so many bills. Whew. Uh, <clears throat> but I knew God said to me, he's the one. So I didn't even consider his financial situation, but he did. And uh, so, you know, he, he had just been born a little while, and, and, uh, and then somehow God gave him to me. We were quite a case in the beginning. But he was, he was totally captivated, not by how beautiful I am, but by the, the Spirit of God that was in my life that I had tested. And so he, he said to me, you know, I, I really owe a lot of money. I said, oh, God's got a lot of money. And, you know, I, he did look at me like, oh, sure. You know, I mean... Really, I mean, he wasn't expecting that kind of response. And uh, I said, just what's your biggest bill? And he looked at me, and he said, it was for this business he had. He said, well, I've got the, the Duke, you know, the electric bill. I said, well, let's just pray over it, and God's going to give you the money for it. He looked at me like, whoa, this woman. <laughs> but anyway, I guess he liked me enough. He said, okay. And so we prayed, and do you know that week? All that money came in to pay that electric bill. And I didn't say, look how, look how good I am. 
just, I'm just the best. I said, God did that for you because he wants you to know he'll take care of you. I mean, I used to sit at the piano and play, and Bill would sit on the other end of the, the, the bench and just weep because the presence of God would come and begin to minister to him. He began to believe that God would be more than enough for his business. I, God knows. God knows. Everybody say, God knows. In the end, that business, he ended up selling it, and we took off for Tulsa, and he ended up in Bible school. That was not on his agenda when he met me. I mean, he had no idea that he was going to end up in Bible school. I heard God say he's going to Bible school, but I didn't tell him that because he wasn't ready to hear that for sure. But God is more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. In the meanwhile, the guy he sold the business to bankrupt it, but he, he ran off, and Bill ended up with all those things that were bankrupt coming back on us. I remember sitting in the IRS office, and that IRS lady, she was not a very nice, she didn't have bedside manner at all. She had none of that. And she said, you're going to have to pay blah, 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 blah. And I piped up and said, I wasn't married to him then. Because I didn't want her to take my check. She said, it doesn't matter. You are now. I thought, okay. All right. Well, God, do you see what we've gotten into? <laughs> we are in a big mess over here with a lot of money due. God took care of every single time that we got a bill from them. God took care of it. But we had to walk by faith and not by sight. And at this point, we are like on the staff at Victory in a big church, like 3,000 people. We are right there with the top of the leadership, and we are still paying the IRS. I thought, God, do you know who we are? I, I, I wonder if Billy Joe heard right. But you know what? God knew where he was taking us, and he supplied every single time. Everybody say, every single time. Why? Because he had a purpose, and he had a plan, and he had a destiny. Was it the easiest walk we ever walked? Uh, no. But this God who is I am, everybody say, I am. The one that said to Moses, I'm going to send you to deliver all these people. You know, in my Bible, it says 600 and some thousand men they counted after they got out of Egypt. But then with all the women and the children, I mean, we're talking in the million, couple million people. He's trying to lead through the wilderness who always complain. And all he gets is, I'm still God. I'm still God. And, and he's the guy that's going to do it. You know, I say that today because if you're bound by anything, that's you, your flesh. But the spirit man inside of you is not bound. It's not bound. The devil can't touch your spirit. Once you're born again, you are free. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. What he can mess with is your mind, which has not been renewed to the fact that your spirit man on the inside of you, if it connects with God, God will be exceedingly abundantly beyond all you could ask, hope, or think, and you will be delivered. You will be delivered. But he, he, has, he has to convince you that God isn't who he says he is. He says, I am, I am, I am God Almighty. That's my name, I am. You know, when Jesus said in John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he says, I am, he is saying he is the Trinity. He is the, the Son, 
the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But he's saying, I am. Why? I am is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. And whatever, if you are married here today and have a wife or a husband, then you know that God is in that marriage because he gets involved. That's why we do wedding ceremonies. That's why we do it, because there's a spiritual miracle that happens when you get married, and God is involved in that marriage. So if you're in agreement in that marriage, then the Holy Spirit of God is on the move to make that thing be what it's supposed to be. So there is no, no serious situation in a marriage that God cannot fix. God can fix it. He has to have a, a people who are willing to fix it with him. But God can deliver. God can deliver people from anything that they desire to be delivered from. The challenge is people don't desire to be delivered because they don't think they can be delivered. I have a nephew who's hooked on drugs. He does not believe he can be delivered from that. He, do, he has not yet believed it. I have to say it that way because I was standing in my kitchen and God said to me, you will find him clothed and seated with Jesus uh, in his right mind, just like the demonic guy. And so I say that over him all the time. But he hasn't believed it yet to grab hold of it. I have an uncle that was an alcoholic who grabbed hold of it. He grabbed a hold of it, and God brought him to Tulsa. Six rehab centers he had been in. He's a, he was an assistant principal. He almost had his doctorate degree. So he, he could teach those things that he learned in those centers. He, he, was, he could teach it. He knew it so well, he thought, nobody's going to be able to get me set free from this. But he grabbed hold of it enough to come to where we were in Tulsa. And Brother Roberts had a, a place for people to go who were addicted to alcohol on the top floor of the, city, of the city of faith where the hospital was. And Gene ended up in that. We took him there. And he was a mess when he came. My son went to get him at the drugstore where he was because he was lost. So I sent my son. He came back, he ran in the house, and he goes, it's bad, it's really bad, it's really bad, Mom, really bad. <laughs> I thought, oh, here we go. You know, he was like 16 at the time, and he, he, he saw, and Uncle Gene had drank all the way to St. Louis, and then he threw his liquor out, and then he slept, and he came on in. He knew he couldn't come to my house, he said, because he drunk. Praise God for that little bit. But it wouldn't have bothered us. We'd have drug him right on over there. He still calls me the warden. I get mail from him, warden. <laughs> still to this day. And so, but God sent him to us. We put him in that rehab there. He was down front. They were praying for him. Everybody say, just your little bit. And God's big. They, they had it in the City of Faith, their program, they had prayer partners. And they laid hands on people. And they bound the devil. And they cast out evil spirits. And so he's in this line. The first night he was there, they're praying for everybody. He told me later, they were starting to fall on the floor. He said, I thought, I'm six foot four and way too much, and I'm not going to fall on the floor. Well, he woke up, and there had been about 20 minutes when he finally woke up, and he was a sobbing mess on the floor. And he never drank again. Never. Brother Roberts did a, a television show, and he was up there, and they said, get somebody up there and bring him down. Brother Roberts wants to pray for him. So he comes, they get him, take him down. He said, when that man looked at me, it was like I could see Jesus. Not, not oral, the person that had control of his heart. 
And when he put his hands on me, he said, I don't know what happened. But he said, I never, ever have thought about drinking again. Everybody say, God's more than enough. And that's what I believe the world is going to experience. I believe there's about to be a manifestation like we have never seen of the Spirit of God. But what causes that to happen are people who believe. When those people laid hands on them in that rehab at City of Faith, they believed that they were going to get free. He said, I don't know what happened in there, but whatever it was, I am feeling a lot better. And he ended up, the, uh, the, the principal of our Christian school, at, in the end, he did end up in that. And I had heard that sitting in church when he was a drunk. I heard, and I wrote it down and showed it to Bill. Your uncle will be an administrator in the Christian school. I thought, <laughs> I don't see how that's ever going to happen because he is not doing well. He was in another rehab at the time. But God did more than enough. I want to tell you today, whatever you're in, whatever you've gotten in, this is what's going to happen. The sufficient grace of God is a deliverer. And I want to read it because Paul said, and it's in uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2.9. It says, my grace is sufficient. Well, what is grace? I want to give you some definitions. And Do you have them back there, Morgan, to put up? Yeah. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, this is Paul saying, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, I will boast that I am not capable, but he is. But he is. And so I, I just want to read, this is what the commentary in one of my Bibles said that I've read through. It says, grace is God's unmerited favor. We all know that's charis is the word. And it is indeed, but it, it is also a manifestation of his power exceeding what we could achieve or hope for by our own labor. Not only is it mightily in effect at our salvation. In other words, we receive this grace immediately. I am saved by grace through faith. That's what it says in Ephesians. It's, if we get it at salvation, it is also a God-given resource that makes possible holy living. Everybody say, holy living. When our life, circumstance, or character is under fire by the adversary, people who are, who are captivated, people who are captives of the devil, they, they are exactly this, exactly this. They are under fire by the adversary. And they honestly, I've, we've prayed with so many people over the years, they honestly believe they cannot get out. And if they did get out, what would be left of their life that they could make anything of themselves. Everybody say, God can make anybody free. Anybody, anybody. No matter how bad we see their actions, they are not bad. They are children of the living God. And they have a, they have a spirit. And once it's alive, they have grace. Everybody say grace. And it is sufficient. Sufficient. More than enough for the, what it's needed for. That's sufficient. God's grace becomes his enablement or empowerment to achieve his plan, endure hardship. My Uncle Gene endured hardship. I mean, there were things he had to walk through, very difficult things, on the other side of getting set free from the alcohol. But that was when the word started working in his life. We put him in Bible school at night, and he didn't have a choice. He lived with us, so he had to go to Bible school. He worked all day, and he came home, and he went to Bible school. 
I made him the attendance taker in the Bible school. And so he had to be there. And he was diligent enough that he would not not show up to take attendance. That was one of the characteristics of him that was a good characteristic, and he held true. And he did Bible school for a whole year, graduated from that Bible school, never drank. Now, we, we went through a lot of Coke, you know, Coca-Cola, because he, oh, I forgot that's a drug. No! <laughs> Although there were some times, one time I came home from church, he was sitting in his truck, at shirt off, smoking a cigar, reading the newspaper. I thought, oh, dear God, don't let Pastor Billy Joe come by today because this is not what I want him to see because they had hired him to work for the church. And he was just, he was still bound by his cigars. Those took a long time to get rid of. But he was not bound in his heart anymore to anything. It took him a while to let it go. But God had set him free. This enablement, everybody say enablement, enablement is called sufficient grace. Everybody say it. I have sufficient grace. And then it says empowerment to achieve his plan. His, his grace facilitates our abilities to conquer every weakness as we yield to an absolute trust and reliance upon God, trusting his heart even when we can't see his hand. Sometimes we can't see it in the natural, but our heart sees who God is. Sufficient, it suggests the idea of raising a barrier or warding off, giving God giving us the grace, supernatural ability or a miraculous faculty to sustain, endure, and maintain our call for all he is enabling us to do in Christ. Amen. Let's stand today. I want all of you, as you're standing, say this. I have sufficient grace. I am able, with the power of God, to break free from any bondage that the devil puts before me. My eyes are fixed on Jesus, and his grace is sufficient for my weakness. Now, Father, I pray for every person here today. I especially pray for those that may be watching or maybe you're here today. And um, I, don't, I don't feel to bring everybody down here today because some things are just between a person and the Lord right where they are standing. And um, it's easier to let God take something when it's just you and Him. And I want to pray for you today that if there's anything in your life that is... Uh, always there you may go four steps forward but then it's like a rubber band and it just jerks you back to whatever it is that's got you captive it, it can be it can be alcohol it can be drugs it can be sexual perversion it can be pornography it can be a multitude of things all of those things the devil has as tools and he has access to weakness. But he does not have the ability to overcome a weakness where God's grace has been appropriated. That means if you know Jesus today, the devil has no place, no place in your life. 
you are God's property and you have sufficient grace. But we have to know that. We have to believe that. We have to stand on that. We have to fight a fight of faith to overcome that situation. And I pray today the same spirit that was there when my Uncle Gene got delivered would be upon your life today by faith. I don't have to lay hands on somebody. We do lay hands on people, sisters, but I don't have to. God's spirit is here, and he can do it right now in your life. Those of you that might be watching, anybody who's watching, maybe you aren't in watch, even watching today, you're watching another time, wherever you are right now, the Holy Spirit of God, it says, hovers just like he did over the earth to bring to pass whatever God said. He's hovering right now. He's there. And it says he's there to convict us of our need for God. So if you're if you're by yourself and you're just watching, the Holy Spirit is there right now. And he will. He will manifest that exceeding abundantly more than you can ask or think in your life if you will just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's to break every chain, to break every chain. No matter what the chain is today, maybe it's an old relationship that you you have tried to get over. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but you've tried to get over, 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 over it. And it just is there today by the power of God. I break that spirit off of you in Jesus' name. That's a familiar spirit. That is a soul tie. And I break it in the name of Jesus today over your life. You are not tied to anybody. If you belong to Jesus, you are connected to the power of Almighty God. And you are free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I thank you today, Jesus, that no weapon formed against anybody standing in this room will prosper. Lord, you said that we will encounter trials and temptations, and those are weapons, but it will not prosper because the power of God, the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ is upon us because we are saved, we are delivered, we are healed, and we have sufficient grace, the ability of God beyond our ability to overcome it, and I pray that over every person standing here. If you have, if you have fallen prey, to any kind of addiction today we take authority over that and we bind it in the name of Jesus and we loose you to that sufficient grace that's in your spirit man to rise up and overtake that place in Jesus name in Jesus name and we thank you Father that you have taken care of everything that concerns us you have perfected it says in Psalm 138 you have perfected everything that concerns this people of Victory Christian Center, that, per, that perfects the people that are watching today from home. Not in our perfection, yours. And we thank you for it. We give you praise and honor and honor. You are truly our way maker in every situation. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus, or you maybe have said, you know, I walked away and I, and I want to come home today. If that's you, would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you. We're going to make a confession of faith. If you're watching the same thing, we will make a confession of faith. But it's important that you acknowledge, I need Jesus. And once you say, I 
always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing is not in vain. Amen. Go and be blessed. If you're going to help, just stick around. They'll show you what to do.